Jesus, we thank you for your perfect leadership. And Holy Spirit, I ask that as Smiley comes and leads us in your word, that you would, you would give him the words to speak. You would lead him and you would guide him. And uh, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would lead our hearts into deeper worship um, and into surrender to whatever it is that you have for us to hear today. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Mindy. Uh, you need to be careful around here. We might catch you doing something right. And last week, Valerie Mick had a first serve in our kids' ministry, and uh, it's always good to catch someone doing something right, isn't it? And Jesus said it's more blessed to give than receive. And there's so many opportunities for you to have the time of your life serving. And uh, if you'd like to get caught doing something right, we'd love to give you that opportunity. This morning, <clears throat> we're going to read from the book of 1 Timothy. And I don't know if you figured this out yet or not, but all the T's in the New Testament are together. There's Thessalonians and then Timothy and Titus. And so this morning, we're moving to 1 Timothy chapter 3. And we're going to spend a few weeks in this chapter... So today I'm actually just going to read one verse, 1 Timothy 3, verse 1. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. Notice how it starts. It is a trustworthy statement. This phrase occurs five times in the Newer Testament, all by Paul. Three of them in 1 Timothy, one in 2 Timothy, and one in Titus. Um, and what it means is, this is a key doctrine. Stay awake. Yeah, when, when you hear that, it's a trustworthy statement. Don't fall asleep. You don't want to miss this. So, so notice what it says, what you don't want to miss. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, wants to be an elder or pastor, we'll look at that more next week. But if anyone aspires to, to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. Now, I had to discover good news yesterday. Can you imagine this happening? I have the class, and people are introducing themselves, and someone says, Hi, my name is Smiley. I'm new here. I want to be an elder here. What do you think our first reaction would be? What? Well, who do you think you are? that you want to come in here and, and be a leader. But what does the Bible say? Listen, if any man aspires to be a leader in his church, it's a fine work he desires to do. do. Don't we sometimes complain about leadership, don't we? Maybe in our country or, or, or in our church. And Jesus says that we should aspire to lead ourselves. Listen, that we should aspire to lead ourselves that we should aspire to lead in our homes, in our church, and in our community. That's what we're going to learn about today. The, the point of today's message is that we need Jesus to get leadership right, that we need Jesus to get leadership right. Will you say that with me? We need Jesus to get leadership right. And if you've been here a few weeks, you'll say, that sounds familiar. Because a, a few weeks ago, we learned how we need Jesus to get authority right and we learn that our God is a God of authority and He loves order. And so we learn how important it was that, that we lead ourselves through self-government. And then we learned about family government. And we learned about church government. And then we learned about civil government. And then we came back last week and we learned at how uh, we need Jesus to get, a, to get male and female right. Isn't that true? Our culture's a little confused there, right? 
And so we gather together because we need Jesus in a confused culture to get male and female right. And listen, we certainly need Jesus to get leadership right. I believe deep in the heart of every man, there is a longing for greatness, to be someone significant. And so men, just men to men, I want you to know that Jesus affords us the opportunity for greatness. He made us for greatness. And we long for that in our heart of hearts. And it's good to long to be great. It's good for men to long to be great. It's good for women to long to be great. Jesus loves to turn nobodies into somebodies. The whole Bible is how Jesus finds nobodies and he gives them opportunities to become somebodies. And so if you're a nobody, Jesus invites you to follow him and he'll make you a somebody. Matter of fact, do you know there was a football game last Sunday? And do you know what was happening? There were 22 people playing a game, being watched by hundreds of millions of people. Do you know what someone said about football once? 22 men greatly in need of rest, watched by hundreds of millions of people greatly in need of exercise. You know what most churches are like? You know, like a few people, a few people greatly in need of rest, surrounded by a, a, a multitude of people who greatly need for exercise, right? Oh. And what I want us to know is that Jesus wants us all to be involved in the game. There is a place for every Christian on the field. We don't need to sit in the stands. Jesus invites us all onto the field. And he offers all of us an opportunity for greatness. All he wants for us is for us just to say, put me in, coach. Put me in. Listen, every player wants to be in the game. Why don't Christians want to be in the game? Put me in, coach. And you know what? Jesus gives us an opportunity for greatness. It is a trustworthy statement if anyone aspires. Oh, see the word aspires? who longs to lead. This word aspires uh, only occurs here in all the Newer Testament. And uh, the Greek word for aspires is the word orego, and it means to stretch out for, especially with the hands to snatch. And so when you think of aspires, you're watching a football game and the pass is ahead of someone and they're diving, right? They're stretching out to grab it. That's what it means to aspire, to stretch. Look at the next meaning, to stretch oneself to reach something. You're, you're watching a track meet, right? And someone's running and they're stretching and they're leaning to the finish line. And uh, then the third is to covet, to long after, to desire. You, you know what I picture here? You ever see a kid in front of a candy store? He's what, he's, he's looking in and he sees the candy and, and he's consumed with the candy. He says, that's what I must have. Let me ask you, men first, what do you aspire to be? What do you aspire to do in life? How about you, ladies? What do you aspire to? What is it you're stretching for? You long, what is that one most ha must have? Um, some guy had on his tombstone, he came, he stayed, he left. Isn't that sad? Jesus doesn't want us to come and stay and lead. He says, follow me. 
I've got opportunities for you for greatness. Now notice last of all, it's to try to gain and to be ambitious. You see, ambition is not a bad word. Matter of fact, Jesus loves ambitious people. That's why it says, it's a trustworthy statement. If anyone aspires, if any man aspires to the office of overseer, it's a fine work he desires to do. So let me show you Jesus and ambition. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 20, Then the mothers of the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus with her sons, bowing down and making a request of him. So her two sons are James and John. I mean, some of you know the story. You ever wonder in the story? Was it James and John who wanted the two best seats? And so they said, hey, Mom, if you ask Jesus, he probably won't be able to say no to a lady. Or, or, or do you think it's just a Jewish mother? A Jewish mother, I mean, she would do anything for her sons. Right? I'm, I'm not sure which it is, but I always just kind of would love to have seen the conversation before this conversation, wouldn't you? And so she has a request, and he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, command. I love that she's telling Jesus what to do. Do we ever do that in our prayers? Command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right and one on your left. All I want is the two best seats in the kingdom for my sons. But Jesus answered, you do not know what you're asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? They said to him, we are able. And you know what? They would. That James would die a martyr's death and John would die as an exile. And he said to them, my cup you shall drink, but to sit on my right and on my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers. <laughs> Why should you get those seats? They, they belong to me. I should get one of them right? Now, here's what I want you to hear, listen about Jesus and ambition. But Jesus called them to himself. Are you a parent? Don't you love to have teachable moments where you just gather your kids and say, hey, gather around. This is a teachable moment. Many of us want to be disciple makers and we can learn from Jesus. This was just one of those moments as a teachable moment where Jesus says, Come here. This is, this is a chance. I, I, I want to teach you something. A teachable moment. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. And what struck me is that most Christians I know, when they said, we want the best seeds, they would have thought Jesus would have said, shame on you for being ambitious. Shame on you for wanting the best seeds. But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus says, I love ambitious people. I love people who want to be great. I love people who want to be first, because otherwise, if you don't want to be great, you're just what? Average, right? He says, I love people. But what he does, what he does is he takes our image of greatness and ambition and he flips it. Notice, I've got a pyramid here. And notice what he says, the rulers of the Gentiles. Listen, leadership among the Gentiles is about people serving you. The great person just tells everybody what to do. So that's what a great person is. Jesus says, it's not so among you. 
You see, the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, but not with you. Whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant. See, what Jesus says, if you want to be great, you need to descend to greatness, not ascend. He says, if you want to be first, and who wants to be last? He says, what you need to do is you need to become a slave to all. The way to become great is to become a servant. And we say, well, well, gee, we've never seen that. We've never seen that. What would that look like? Jesus says, what? I'll show you how. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for me. What was his whole life? His whole life was about descending, descending, and serving and giving, right? Um, everything rises and falls with leadership, doesn't it? In our lives, in our homes, in our church, in our, it all rises and falls with leadership, right? Listen, the problem is only one person has ever gotten leadership right. Only one person has led, well, it's not you, it's not me. Listen, the gospel teaches, the bad news of the gospel is we have not led our lives well. Isn't that true? <laughs> we've not led our lives well. We've rebelled against God. We've rebelled against God in thought and word and deed, right? We've rebelled against God who's just, who must punish our sins, who says what we deserve is hell. We've not led ourselves well. I mean, husbands... Fathers, we've not led our families well, have we? I, I sure haven't, have you? We, we've not led in our church well. We've failed. We've not led in our country well. <laughs> you ever notice how presidents in our country never take responsibility for the mess our country's in? They always blame who? The one who went before them, right? These were all their fault. But you know what? <laughs> I planted Good News Church. So I can't blame others for the failures we have. They're all of my own making. I didn't set out to fail, but I failed a lot. We all have. There's only one good leader. His name is Jesus, and that's why we need him. We've all failed to lead ourselves, our families, our church, our community. That's the bad news, but the good news is there is one leader who got leadership right. It's God the Son who put on flesh and came to earth and he led himself well. He lived a life of perfect obedience. Listen, he led others well. He served and served. He never asked others to do what he was unwilling to do. He went first. He went farthest. And then he went to the cross and he laid down his life for you and me. He took our sins upon himself. He died in our place. He cried out, it is finished. He was buried. He was buried, but he didn't stay dead. On the third day, he rose from the grave. Did you know that one day, a dead man got up and walked out of the tomb, and that changes everything? And you know what he offers us? Eternal life. He offers us the chance to be forgiven for all of our failures, to lead ourselves and our families and church and community well. He offers us the chance to do life and eternity with him. He offers us the chance for greatness in this life. He said, there's room for you in changing the world and my family. He offers us the chance for greatness. And what does he require of us? That we receive him as our Savior and Lord. Have you? I mean, listen to this. Revelation 3.20, Jesus said, Behold, I stand the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. 
Do you know I'm a nobody? But Jesus knows my name. Did you know that? He knows my name. Do you know he came to me one day and he knocked on the door of my heart and said, I want to forgive you. Uh, Am I the only one in here who's done something wrong? Don't you long to be forgiven? And you know what he said to me? You have made a mess of your life and I could run your life so much better than you can. Just receive me. Won't you receive me? And he said, listen, I'd like to do life with you and I'd like to do eternity with you. So there was a day. And if you've never had that day, won't you do that now? You can do that now or or, or when I close in prayer, I'll give you a chance. But to receive Jesus as our Savior and Lord begins when we admit that we failed. Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. Won't, Won't you do that? And then, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose. Have you believed? And Jesus, I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. And I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've never done that, won't you do that? And if you have, isn't that the most amazing thing ever? Did you hear what Jesus says? Behold, I stand at the door knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. Jesus moved in and I get to go to bed every night knowing I'm forgiven. And you know, Jesus has moved in me and he says, follow me. Follow me. I've got an opportunity for greatness for you. Follow me. And Jesus becomes our model for life and ministry, our model for leadership. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to give us the desire and power to follow Jesus. Don't you want to lead yourself like he led? Don't you want to lead others the way he led? So Jesus says, follow me, right? Follow me. He says, listen, follow me. Let's descend to greatness. It's not so among you, but whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant. Descend to greatness. Get in the game. Serve. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Descend to greatness. Get involved in the game. You say, how? Well, in Matthew 4.19, in Matthew 4.19, um, and Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. How many fishermen do you know of from the year 30 A.D.? None, right? But there were two, you know their name. You know why you know their name? Because Jesus called nobodies, and he turned them into somebodies, and you know their name, right? Why do you know Andrew's name? Why do you know Peter's name? You know why? Because they followed Jesus. He said, listen, you can fish for the rest of your life as you want, or you can follow me and I'll change the world. No wonder they left everything to follow Jesus. Jesus loves to choose nobodies and turn them in to somebodies. I've been talking about a leader. What's a leader? A leader is someone who aspires to follow Jesus. He aspires to follow Jesus and bring others with him. He just aspires. Jesus says, follow me. And that's what they long for and dream about and move toward. They want to follow Jesus. And as they do, he's so amazing. They want to bring as many people as they can with them. Now, I hope I don't mess this up, Mike Fleming. Uh, Mike Fleming, uh, one of our members, was a general in the National Guard, and not many people get to be generals, and so you're pretty smart. And so one day he was teaching us, and uh, Mike, I hope I don't get this wrong, but, but it went like this. He said 
that the Navy and the Air Force are platform-based militaries, and that the aircraft carrier in the Navy and that the fighter jet in the Air Force, the whole Navy and Air Force was about, was about supporting the platform because it was the platform that, that fought. It was the aircraft carrier. It was the fighter jet. But he said, the Army and the Marine Corps are different because in the Army and the Marine Corps, it's not platform-based. It's about the soldier. It's about the Marine. And all the leadership and everything in, in, the, in the Army and the Marine is to equip every soldier and every Marine to carry out the mission. And he said the problem in churches, the problem in churches is we tend to think we're platform-based, that the pastor is here and all the people help the pastor. No, no, what we need to do is to change that. Our purpose as a church is to make disciples together, that we need Jesus and each other to do it. So what we want to do as a church is equip you and you and you and you. We're here to equip you so that you can win and build and equip and multiply. Jesus says, follow me. There's room for you in the game, on the field. Come out of the stands. Join me, and I'll make you great. You say, what? Let me show you in John 14, verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you. <laughs> oh, you know what the Old Testament prophets would say, right? The Old Testament prophets would say what? Go ahead and say it, what? Thus says the Lord. And Billy Graham's, the late Billy Graham's famous words were what? The Bible says. <laughs> but what did Jesus say? He said, truly, truly, what? I say to you. But notice what he says. He who believes in me, the work that I do, he will do also. Men, deep down, don't you want to be great? Don't you? Don't you want your life to count? Did you hear what Jesus said? He said, if you believe in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And listen carefully, and greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. So Jesus ascends into heaven. He, he pours out the Holy Spirit, and he said we would do greater works than he was here. And you say, well, how can that be? Because look at all those miracles Jesus did. Um, so... Think about his miracles for a while, okay? Healing the sick and calming the storm. And let me ask you, why did Jesus do miracles? We know he did miracles, but why? And I'm going to give you four reasons. The first reason is I believe they authenticate his identity, that he's bringing new revelation to us, God's word. And whenever someone brought new revelation, they were authentic authenticated with, with, with miracles. So it authenticates who he is. The second is it shows compassion. People were sick, he healed them. Thirdly, they give us a picture. Every miracle Jesus gave was a picture of the new earth. Don't we long for the new earth when there won't be any blind or lame or sick? Don't we long for that? Jesus gave us just a little glimpse of what it'll be like on the new earth. But next, every miracle that Jesus did gives us a picture of the power of the gospel. 
Every miracle shows us the power of the gospel. People often ask me, well, Smiley, have you ever seen a miracle? Sure. I have shared the gospel with so many people, and when I did, I saw dead people come to life. Isn't that what happens when someone comes to faith? The dead come to life. Every time I've seen someone come to faith in Christ, I saw the blind see. Have you ever seen that? They couldn't see, and then they could. Isn't that what the great song says, isn't it? It says what? I once was blind, but now I see. You know what happens? I get to hear de- see deaf people here. I heard the gospel for the first time I heard. I get to see mute people speak. People who've never confessed Christ, they confess Him. I see the lame walk. Those who were not able to do good deeds now can. All those miracles show us the power of God of the gospel to, to win people and to build and equip and multiply them. I mean, what was Jesus' first miracle? It was what? It was turning water into wine, right? You know what we get to witness when we disciple people? We get to see Jesus change Saul's into Paul's. You know what's more amazing than seeing water become wine? It's seeing Jesus change Saul's into Paul's, to see Jesus change selfish people and, and to free them from all kinds of sin and set them free to do good things. What an opportunity. Uh, how about, remember when Jesus calmed the sea? Remember he spoke to the sea and said, shh, be still, and the still, sea was still. Oh, I work with so many people and their hearts are so anxious. Uh, I mean, how many people in our culture are anxious, especially young people? But you know what happens when we disciple someone? We get to say, hey, come and see Jesus. And you know what Jesus says to anxious hearts? He says, shh, be still. And you know what? The one who calmed the sea still calms hearts today. Jesus gives us an opportunity for greatness. You see, we need Jesus to get leadership right And a leader is simply someone whose one great passion in life is to follow Jesus. And that Jesus is so amazing, they want to bring everyone they can with them. Is that you? Isn't it who you want to be? So I bet you can't guess what our action step is for the week. Our action step this week is I just want you to aspire to lead. To aspire. It comes right out of the Bible, right? If any man aspires to the office of overseer... What if each of us aspired to lead ourselves? Listen, the most difficult person we will ever lead is to lead ourselves. And then what if we went out just a little bit more and and we aspired to lead in our family and and then in our church and and then we wanted to win people, right? We wanted to lead people to Christ. But how do we do that? Well, I love in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus kind of gives us three steps of, a, of aspiring in Acts 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. If we want to follow Jesus, if we aspire to bring others with us, then it starts with prayer. Because apart from Jesus, we can do nothing, and We say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Help me to lead myself. Lord, help me to lead those around me. 
Can, can you imagine if we had a church filled with people? Lord, help me to lead people to faith in Christ. Help me to win people to Christ. Let me show you that in Colossians chapter 4. Verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer. Why? Because we can't lead ourselves and we can't lead others. We need help. Help! Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Praying at the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. You need to watch out. I'm praying for you. And what I'm praying for you is that God would open doors for you to be great, that you would share the gospel. And I'm praying for you that the Holy Spirit would give you boldness, that when the doors open, you would walk through, and that the Holy Spirit would give you the words to share. Well, Smiley, how can we pray for you? Pray for me. That God would give me opportunities to win people to faith in Christ. He'd give me open doors and pray for me that I would have boldness and pray for me that God would give me wisdom. Imagine that we aspired to lead people to Christ, and so we prayed. What if we live life on mission? Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders. We're here on a mission, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. So to aspire to lead means we start with the ask, we pray. Jesus, help us to lead ourselves. Help us to lead others to you. And then next we, we seek. We seek. And then it's after we ask, then we take steps so that we can become effective leaders of ourselves and others. And that's why after we connect to Jesus, it's so important that we find a local church and we join it. And you say, why? Here's why. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he poured out the Holy Spirit and his church was birthed. And Jesus gives gifts to his church that will equip you to be a disciple maker. Did you know that the Jesus gives gifts to his church to equip you to be a disciple maker? In Ephesians 4, verse 11, And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets. So when Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave apostles and prophets to the church who gave us the New Testament, the foundation for the church. And some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. So notice that. You see... Here's the saints. This is the church. All of you are called to be disciple makers. And I'm a pastor. (laughs) And our staff and our elders, we're down here. Our ministry is to equip you, to equip you so that you can, can win and build and equip and multiply. We're equipping you. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. Want to be great? Find a church and say, please equip me. Would you equip me? I want my life to count. Would you equip me to be able to win people to faith in Christ? I want to. Would you equip me? Would you equip me to disciple others? I want my life to count. And we'd love to do that. Matter of fact, on Thursday at 10 o'clock this past week, here's a group of people who've gotten together and they said, would you please equip us? Would you please? 
And we're finding great joy in equipping them. That was happening Thursday morning at 10. And before that, on Thursday morning at 7 o'clock, here's a group of people, and they said, hey, Smiley, would you please equip me? Do you know the best time of my week is when I'm with people who want to go somewhere and are saying, please, please, please equip me. Wow. We ask and then we seek. We seek equipping. You know what else? When we find a church, hey, hey, coach, put me in. Put me, whatever, what can I do? What can I do to help our church win more people? What can I do to help us build and equip and multiply? What can I do to expand the ministry? What can I do? That's what it means to aspire. We ask, and then we seek, and then we knock. You know what that means? You keep on asking. You keep on seeking because when we try and win people to faith in Christ, sometimes it doesn't go well. And sometimes we fail, but it means we don't quit. Just because we fail, we keep asking and we keep seeking. We invest a lot in people and discipling people. Sometimes they disappoint us. Sometimes they do, but we don't quit. We don't quit. Here's why we don't quit. Anybody ever get discouraged in here? Anybody? I mean, do you think I ever get discouraged? Think I ever pour my life into people and they just wonder why? You know what keeps me going? Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Man, whenever I get discouraged and want to quit, God's word is so inc- Don't give up. Don't keep up. Keep sharing. Keep discipling. We're going to reap if we don't grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, as long as we have breath, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. So our our action step this week is to aspire, to aspire to lead. And so we ask, we pray, and then we seek. We seek out training. We seek to get in the game. And then we keep asking and seeking. Well, what would that look like? When I was thinking this week of aspiring, what I really thought about was, was our oldest daughter, Lydia. Our oldest daughter, Lydia. We have six kids. Our oldest daughter is Lydia. She's an amazing wife and mother and lawyer, and she's an amazing athlete. How was I blessed to have such an amazing daughter as an athlete? Well, I married really well, okay? Oh, but I want you to know, Lydia taught me what it means to aspire. Lydia went to the Reggie White School of Competition. Reggie White was an NFL player, and he said, if you don't cry when you lose a game, you shouldn't play. Every game Lydia ever lost, she wept and wept and wept because she wanted to win so bad. Know what I dream about? That our church would be made up of Lydia's. Not about winning games, but winning people. Wouldn't it be great when we gathered together and we were alone, we were weeping and we're continually praying for the unreached thousands of people in our community who don't yet know Jesus. She modeled for me what it means to ask, to want something so badly you weep when you don't have it. Ask, seek. 
Oh, when I, look, when I think about seeking, I think about Lydia because when our kids got involved in soccer, I didn't know there were two levels. I didn't know there was rec soccer where everybody gets a chance to play. And then there was competitive where you wanted to win. And I'll never forget Lydia on the sidelines weeping, yelling at her coach on a rec team, put me in, put me in, I can win this game, put me in. You know what I dream about? Our church is made up of Lydia's. Coach, put me in. Put me in. I want to help our church win more people. I want to help our church build more people. I want to help our church equip more people. I want to help us multiply way more disciple makers than we ever have. Wouldn't that be great? You know what made Lydia so amazing? She played the hardest position to play. She was a striker, and she was good at scoring goals. The hardest thing to do in soccer is to score a goal. You know why she was good at it? She practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced. So when that split second opened up for an opportunity to take a shot, she was so well-trained, she took it and made it. Um, What would it be like if our church was made up of Lydia's and we were continually practicing and training so that we would be good, that when that door opens up for the gospel, we would be equipped to go through and share the gospel. And that when people came to faith in Christ, we were equipped so we could help them grow. Would that be amazing? Hmm. Ask, seek, knock. Man, with her playing, there was a lot of weeping. But in high school, In high school, every year they got a little closer toward the goal. Every year they were in the playoffs, and every year they got a little deeper in the playoffs. Her junior year, they're in the semifinals, state championship in Tallahassee, double overtime, and they lose on a golden goal. And boy, did she weep all the way back from Tallahassee. But you know what? She didn't quit. She didn't quit and she kept training. And her senior year, I mean, you couldn't write the story better. Her senior year, they get to the finals against the defending champion. And you know what happened? They won. They won. And you know why? Because she never quit. Um, Listen, ministry, trying to win people and disciple people, it can be so discouraging. Oh, that we were filled with a church like Lydia's, that no matter how many times we failed, we didn't quit, we didn't quit. We kept on, we kept on sharing, and we kept on discipling because we were convinced that in the end, we really are on the winning team. Listen, are you discouraged? Don't quit. Don't quit. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time, we will reap. If we do not grow weary, so then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so thankful that you came to earth and you led yourself well, that you served and served, and then you gave yourself on the cross as a ransom for our sins. Thank you. Listen, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus and you'd like to be forgiven, you'd like to do life and eternity with him, he's here. Won't you say, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. 
And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, way to go. Won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. Jesus, I pray for all of us who've received you, that it received you, that we would ask, Lord, help us. Help us to lead ourselves well. Help us to lead in our home and in our community. Lord, help us to win people to you. Lord, may we as a church be a soul-winning church. And Lord, may we seek. Lord, help us to find a church home. Help us to say, equip me, equip me. Oh, Lord, that we will be a church filled with people who say, put me in, put me in. How can I help? Lord, help us to be a church that knocks, that no matter how times we're, many times we're disappointed or, or hurt, we just keep on. We keep on sharing and we keep on discipling because we've read the book and know that in the end we're on the winning side. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.